Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. When we talk about, when we talk about sonship, we're talking about um, sons and daughters. And different people phrase that a little bit differently. Some people call that prince and princess. Some people call, you know, we, I, I try and stick, and all those things are, all those ways of expressing that are wonderful and they're great. Um, the Bible talks out of Galatians chapter 3 and uh, Galatians chapter 4, Romans chapter 8, talks about sonship. And that, is, um, that includes both uh, male and female, just like the bride includes both male and female. And so, so when I talk about sonship, uh, I'm talking about both male and female. I'm talking about being sons and daughters. And the more I've and we've been on this journey for a while, so your patience has been absolutely amazing, but I want to make sure it gets in me, and I really want it to get into all of us, actually, this whole idea of sonship. Sonship is not something that, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not one book on our bookshelf. You know, it's not like, um, you know, I have, the, I, I have a book on healing, I have a book on, you know, uh, community, I have a book on sonship. No, sonship is actually the whole idea of the father heart is the bookshelf. It really is the, it's the, it's the foundation piece where everything else sits on. And about a year and a half ago, um, I, I thought about that. I thought that was, a good, that was a good idea or a good way of putting it, but I wasn't convinced. And the more I studied the New Testament, the more I studied... Uh, the idea of what this actually means. Really, I think, uh, I, I think many, many of our problems could be eliminated if we gained revelation of who we are as sons and daughters. Um, so as we, were, as we were talking about being adopted, being placed as sons, I'm kind of giving you a little bit of background, but a little bit of refresher, um, that, that we understand that the New Testament Jesus calls his, his father, Abba Father, which is a, a very affectionate term. It's the kind of word that a child would use for his own dad. And if you put the, the, the setting of when he actually used that word, it was actually in Gethsemane. When he was dropping you know, great drops, sweating great drops of blood, you know, as the scripture was saying, the, the anguish of the, before the cross, that's when he expresses out. He, he releases this word Abba. And then if we read in Galatians chapter 4, we see it again where now we can call, we can call the Father or we can call God a Father or even more affectionately Dad. And that's really, that's a, that's a, that's a hard balance initially because, I mean, you've got to understand the revelation of what that, even, even writing it down, even when Paul wrote it, it was such a revolutionary, drastic shift on their paradigm or their understanding of who God was and is. I mean, it, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about that, that we need to be transformed through the renewing of our mind, right? So our mind has to constantly be renewed into this revelation that though God is, is holy, he's also dad. And we have to be able to balance that 
And we have to be able to gain revelation on that. So, yes, God is holy in the, ter- in the sense of, like, we can worship him forever like we sang. But at the same time, he's, he's, a, he's affectionate as a father. So, though he's, he's altogether the uncreated, right? He's altogether other than. It's holy, holy, the word holy means to other than or completely other. He's that, but at the same time, he's actually very close to us as a father. And I'm not talking about a broken father. I'm not talking about an imperfect father. I'm talking about a perfect father. I'm talking about a God who is love, not a God who um, has a revelation of love or a God who love is part of who he is. Love is who he is. So everything that flows out of his heart, it flows out of this place of love. And it's, a, it's an agape love. It's a love that's always seeking out for our highest good. In our culture, as you know, we can love our ice cream, our dog, and God. And not, you know, it's good because we don't have the, the right phrases or the, the right wording for what love is. So this kind of love is sacrificial. So much so that uh, in Philippians chapter 2, he empties himself. He takes on the form of, of man, and he lives a sinless life. But not only does he live a sinless life... He lives a life in perfect unity with the Father. And as a result, he goes to the cross so that we can have access to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The Father is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. I mean, when you start really grabbing and start looking at the gospel message and you start seeing the communion as Jesus the Son with his Father, all the miracles, signs, and wonders is an expression of the Father's heart. Jesus had perfect security. So the first temptation that Jesus faces is about his sonship. It's about his identity. So, remember the baptism? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I would, I would really, I would really um, exhort you to repeat that, that simple phrase in how the Father views you. You are well pleasing in the Father's heart. Well, you don't know, but well, if you've accepted Jesus... It's the blood of Jesus that covers a multitude of sin. So the Father sees you through the blood of Jesus, and he's well pleased. When you start understanding the New Testament revelation of being a son and a daughter, it's almost too good to be true. But it is. So we want to stand our own merit. We want to stand based on what we've done. It's really based on what Jesus has done and it's based on his finished work. And so out of this love relationship, out of this impartation of the Father in my own heart and me being grafted into the vine as the branch, then I can live from the, from the, the river. Jesus says there's rivers of living water flowing out of us. 
Like, I, I can live from that place of receiving from the Father's love, and fruit is actually produced, not so much on my self-effort, it's actually produced out of an outflow of what the Father is doing in my own heart. So what I've, what I've done before is I've actually tried to put fruit on branches. I've tried to, I'm trying to live outside of, though I'm born again, I'm, I'm living outside of this vine branch relationship. So I don't think fruit works really hard when it's actually receiving the nutrients from the vine. In other words, it's natural. I don't know, I've never got into a branch and talked to one, but I don't know if they're striving, I don't know if there's, you know, all this stuff. I just know that Jesus says, he is the vine and we are the branches, and we're commanded to bear good fruit, not on our own self-effort. There has to be a willingness, right? But it's actually yielding to the Father's love, yielding to the presence of the Lord, and allowing his life to kind of flow out of our life. If fruit's produced. It's a much easier way of, I don't want to use this, using our, our doing Christianity. So much of our lifestyle is kind of churchianity. And so, which is a whole other topic. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got to get to this. All right. So, so I wanted, I was thinking about How is this fleshed out? Like, how does this work in my everyday life? And so that's where we began last week. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to, I got my, my iPad and I got my notes. You want to see it? All right. So I have a lot of boxes. See, I have a lot of boxes right here. So Jordan's like, the dad's never going to get through this. So last week... Last week, we stopped right here, and so I have more boxes, okay? So I just want you to see, if you can begin praying for me, but I, I kind of just want to, and it's just me being transparent with you. I just want to, I just want to read from this as, and then comment on it as my journey, and if my journey helps your journey, um, that's amazing. That'd be awesome. Um, if not, just say amen anyway. That would be great. All right? So, <laughs> all right. You guys are so encouraging. When I walk in sonship, I am confident in the goodness, power, and love of God. My confidence in God provides hope for others. And there is a difference between confidence and arrogance. But when I live in a place of sonship, there's a, there's, a, there's a supernatural confidence that comes over me. When I don't live in that kind of revelation, then I'm plagued with self-doubt. It's living never truly or never really sure that God is truly for me. I'm not fully confident. I doubt in his goodness. I doubt in his power. I doubt his love. I feel double-minded. Or like waves being tossed to and fro. But the greater revelation of, of 
of me being a son gives me the confidence in his goodness regardless, no matter what. Number, the next one. When I walk in sonship, I am at rest. Everyone say rest. That's a good Bay Area word. I am at rest. I don't have to earn approval from the Father. I do life from his approval. And I can't tell you how massive that is. You know, with the, we got the, the presidential like, campaign started, right? And all the candidates say, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Donald Trump and I approve of this message. Or I'm Joe, I approve of this message, right? Is it, you know, I think the father is saying today, I'm the father and I approve of this message. Yeah. All right. So I'm at rest. I love and serve people being free from trying to impress people. The opposite of that would be I live striving. I feel that I have to continue to work to be good enough for the Lord to approve of me and continue in being in right relationship with him. When something happens negatively in my life, I feel it's my fault. I did something wrong. I'm not living right. So I got to try harder. I live feeling not approved, so I need to keep working hard for the right to be accepted. And that's the key word, for the right to be accepted by the Lord, and there's little rest in that lifestyle. I can even feel guilty if I do rest. The motivation is not grounded in love, but is to earn worth, love, and favor. I'm on the next page. You guys, I, I grow walking in faith. I love you guys. I grow in walking by faith. So when I'm, when I'm walking in this place of sonship, that's always the qualifier. When I walk in this place of sonship, I'll just say, as I walk as a son and daughter, I grow in walking by faith. I grow into living and knowing that if God is for me, you guys know the rest of it, if God is for me, who can be against me? If I realize that he approves and believes in me, then I can believe that I can do all things. In Christ, that verse comes alive because I know I am approved. I know I'm confident. I'm secure in his love. I could take on the world because I have my father with me. In fact, I have the whole Godhead with me. I mean, that's crazy. If not, if I don't have this revelation, then I feel that I'm constantly fighting unbelief. Because I feel that I don't fully know if the Father has my best interest at heart. You ever felt like that? I mean, you got right down to it. Like you're going through a trial. Do you really care for me? Do you really? Anyway, we all struggle with that. Say something. How can I walk and live by faith if I'm not secure in his love? So I choose to live more by facts than by faith. Nothing wrong with facts. While facts 
in and of themselves are not wrong. They aren't fully required to live and walk by faith. Oh, it's quiet in here. When I walk in sonship, I find comfort in God. Everyone say comfort. I, now, that was a tough word for me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a man. I don't need, you know, I don't need to be comforted. Comfort, okay, there. You know, we're, we're, our own, we're our own thing. You know, we're like our own. We could push ourselves up with our own, you know, we could do all that. At least that's how I felt. Because I'm rooted, now here's the foundation. Because I'm rooted and grounded in the Father's love, I can come to him and be comforted. And so Paul actually even says that he's the God of all. Come on, everybody. He's the God of all. The opposite is that if I, if I, if I don't have this revelation, then I don't sense closeness to the Father. He's distant. And when I experience disappointment and when I experience pain, I avoid, I avoid the Lord feeling that he doesn't really care for me. So I isolate. On top of that, when I isolate, I could also turn to other things to find comfort in and that's where we get into this problem of wrong relationships. We get in this problem of pornography. We overeat. I shouldn't talk. We abuse alcohol. Just to name a few. We're trying to find something to get over the pain that we're feeling in our heart. And if we are feeling distant or we feel like there's a father somewhere way back here in our relationship, and, I, and he's not the God of all comfort, then I'm going to reach for something to give me comfort because I have pain. So that might happen where I might begin to rely on my spouse to be, to be the comforter, and I'm reaching for her, and she's not giving me all that I need, and I'm still in this place of pain. The pain has to go somewhere. So when we ignore the Father as the God of all comfort, and I'm talking that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. When we don't have Jesus or the Holy Spirit or we don't approach them, we're going to look to something else to find the comfort that we need. I'm telling you, not a lot of people that are involved in these kinds of things that I just read are really like totally messed up people. They're people filled with pain. They're filled with disappointment, even as believers, and they don't have this revelation of the Father who actually embraces them and their pain. Even when they don't understand. Even when they're facing a trial that is so extreme and so difficult, it's rocking our faith. Ever been there? And we know the scripture where it says, you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. You will go through that valley, but sometimes we feel like we'll never get through the valley. He's still the God of all comfort. Paul takes 39 lashes five times. He's the one who wrote it. He was betrayed, thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was, I think it was five times, 39. I mean, we're talking about a leather whip strung up 
and just lashed out. We're talking about that's the man that says he's the God of all comfort. That tells me that he went to the Father to receive it. He's not giving me some kind of theological equation. I believe he's talking about it's coming out of his own life experience. He's the God of all comfort. So what does that mean? That means we have to face our pain with the Lord. What does that mean? That means i got to find time where I'm just talking to the Lord, and it is like gut-level honest. It's like saying, Father, I know what the Word says. I feel abandoned. I know what the Word says. I don't feel your love right now. I feel like you're way over here, and I'm here. I'm talking about that, having those kind of conversations with the Lord. As you would have with your own father. If you have an honest, open relationship with your father. Many people don't. So then we're in a more difficult situation because we weren't raised like that. And now we're being told that he's the God of all comfort, that I can approach him, that he loves me completely. My approval comes from him. But I've never really felt that growing up as a kid. It was all based on performance. In order to be somebody, you better do something. In the kingdom, you already are somebody. And then out of that, you get to do something. You already have his approval. And out of that approval, then you can do the works. When Jesus says, greater works will you do, it's always connected as son to a father. Are you guys there? And we have, there's just a huge, huge, I'm going to go to the next one. He's the God of all, oh my word, come on. He's the God of all, all right. I just spent five minutes on that point. He's the God of all. Oh, uh, you, okay, that was my fault. All right. I wonder, I said moving on, that I was going to revisit. Thanks, honey. When I walk in sonship, I'm not saying we've arrived. We're growing in this, right? All right, so don't go like, you know. When I walk in sonship, I am more full of life. I'm experiencing the life of God. I'm experiencing this. It's not just knowing, it's experiencing. I don't know how you can love somebody and them love you without experiencing it. I love you intellectually. That's awesome. Can you give me a hug? No. Just walking in the flesh. You gotta, you, you, you gotta be able to feel love. You gotta be able to experience love. Yes, it's good to have the, the knowledge. I think that's kind of where, but I didn't intellectually fall in love with my wife solely. I mean, I looked at her and I said, mm hmm. <laughs> For most of us, it starts there. Most. 
of us, it starts there. You go, mm-hmm, potential. <laughs> right? And then you start praying, oh, Jesus. And then it's a risk, right? It's the journey of like, I hope she's saying, mm-hmm, at me. Right? I'm not going to go any further. I am more full of life, experiencing the life of, and love of God in my own life, living from a place of being fully loved. I'm optimistic. And in facing trials, knowing my Father is for me and not against me. You know, optimism is not something like you just read in the book, and I'm going to be optimistic. I mean, you could do that, and there's some, there's some benefits of that. But when you get into the revelation of who the Father is, and you can call him Dad, and you can be connected heart-to-heart with the Lord, you're going to be optimistic. Let me tell you something about my dad. Right? I mean, Dad, capital, that one up there. You know, right here, yeah. When I don't have this revelation, generally I view life as negative. You ever watch Gulliver? What's that? Gulliver's, what's that guy's name? Gulliver's Travel. This is a guy who was never, we'll never make it. We're doomed to die. I mean, it doesn't matter what good news comes, we'll never do it. It's this constant, it's this character that's just completely monotone. No expression. You know, here comes, you know, whatever, you know, we're going to have victory. Well, never, it'll never happen. All right? They live on the negative. They live in a place of continual skepticism. And that's huge in our culture. Life is not lived. In this view, life is not lived, it's endured. Not that we don't have tough days or even tough seasons. But overall, my life filled, is filled with little joy and plenty of criticism and complaining. I view myself as a victim and not being victorious. So the more I receive the Father's love, the greater optimism is fleshed out of my own life. And it, comes, it flows naturally. When I walk in sonship, I live in peace. There is an inner peace that goes beyond all, all understanding. I have the ability to live with peace and security in even the most troubling seasons of my life. And there have been some. And sometimes when you feel ripped apart on the inside, there is a touch where the peace of God hits you. And it's just, I, to me, sometimes it's just a straight-up supernatural touch by the Father in my heart. There's no explanation for it. I just have peace. You know, the most amazing people to me are people that are like, they're in this storm, but they live in the eye of a hurricane. They live in a place of, of peace in the middle of the storm. It's almost like, you should be panicking. You should be worried. You need to retaliate. They live in this place of peace. 
And the more revelation you have of the Father's heart and love for you, the more you can live in that place of peace. Why? Because he's got it all in control. The more secure you are in the love of God, the greater levels of peace will be found in you, regardless. Come on, man. Life happens to us. Did you ever say, I didn't ask for that. Why did that come in my life? I, I wasn't, anyone ever asked, everyone just kind of blurted that out? But in the middle of it, there's peace. Wow. Faced with tragedy, there's peace. Well, the keyboard's playing. I'm halfway through. I think I'll stop at this next one or two. I mean, I'm just thinking about this daily, all right? If I'm not in this place, this is like me just kind of opening up my life, right? So when I'm not living in this place of peace, then I become largely anxious. I constantly live at high levels of anxiety, stress, constantly experiencing worry, unease, and nervous, or being nervous, or nervousness. I I don't feel centered. I, I feel out of control. I can't govern my emotions. And it's squarely because I don't have the peace of God ruling and reigning in my heart. So what I have to do is not complain, which I could do on occasion. Only three people. What, what I have to do, I, I know it sounds simple because it is. I have to find time with the Lord. But the greater revelation of the Father's heart for me, the more I out of that revelation, like it's, it's having this renewed mind, I know my Father is for me and not against me. I'm secure in His love in the middle of all this, and I refuse to be anxious. Easier said than, than done. But at least I'm pointing in the right direction. I just refuse to live in this place of anxiety Intention, feeling like everything's out of control and I'm spinning out with it. I, I have to point somewhere. I have to find my security and I have to find my rest and I have to find my peace somewhere. And I know where it's at. I think we sang it this morning, something about a beautiful father safe in the arms of a beautiful... that Safe in the arms of a beautiful father. That's kind of a interesting phrase for a guy like me to sing. But it's revelation. It's truth. When I walk in sonship, I live yielded to the Father who, as He works in me, producing godly fruit. Being fully loved produces a willing 
a willingly or willingness to live a yielded life. When I, when I don't have that revelation, any kingdom fruit is a result of working really, really hard. Though I believe like discipline is important, and believe me, I, I'm a, I tend to be a productivity nut. Really, I love productivity. I have like five, six apps on my... Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I believe in being disciplined, but I, I, I believe that passion trumps being disciplined. When I love my family, it's not out of discipline, it's out of passion. Right? I love you, honey, out of discipline. How far is that going to take you? Like you're at a romantic dinner. Babe, it's out of discipline that I come to love you. Now, I'm not saying there's, there's not right choices along the way. You understand what I'm saying there? We live, but there are right choices, but really, love is out of this place of passion, out of this place of emotion, this place of connection. And so, that's, first of all, that's how he loves you. The Father is not disciplined to love you. He loves you out of passion. So, the problem is, is that we look in the mirror and we say, how can you be passionate about this person that's in the mirror? And the truth is, is that he's extremely passionate about that person that he's, that you are looking at in the mirror because in Psalm 139, it says that he knit you and he formed you in the womb of your mother. He did it. He did it. If we just gain a revelation of how passionate he is toward you. Because the scripture says, we love him because he first, that's just not throwing a bunch of cards at the table. That's, he, we love him because he first loved us. In other words, we can't love God unless he first loves us. We can't reconnect with our heavenly father, our source, unless he makes the move first. And he did. So we have to make a decision that either we live through this encounter and this experience that drives this passion that actually he has for us that we gain revelation of and we live from are we trying to do this all theologically? And I can get theological with the best of them. But I can have a solid theology and still be distant. I can know all about the love of God and never connect my heart to Him. I can know all about the love of God and never experience the Father's love for me. Though I value knowledge, though I value revelation, it's got to take me into relationship or it's just empty. That's what I'm learning. 
So I've had conversations with the Lord. Take me deeper. I want to know who you are. I want to experience the love of the Father. I want to experience it. Not for the, for the, for the sake of me being a pastor, me being a leader. For me. And for you. And for you. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Like I used to say, I was, I don't know, you know, Billy, I don't know if he's here. Billy, are you here? Are you here? No, no. I know that Billy. I know he's right there. He better be there right next to my daughter. But Billy, the guy who, Weber? Weber? Billy Weber. You know what? He was in my youth group. Now, if, he, if you think he's old, I'm in trouble. He's my youth group. I mean, he's been running with us for over 30 years. Maybe long, I don't know. Anyway, honey, don't, she's going to figure it out and tell me. So, just over 30 years. And he, and he brought, a, he brought a, a, a quote that I used to say, and I just laughed because, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I used to say, you can have 32 degrees and still be frozen. <laughs> now, I'm talking about education, right? 32 degrees, right? You can have 32 degrees and still be frozen. I'm talking Fahrenheit, not centigrade. So, I'm a, I'm a linear person. That means I, 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 like, I like things in, you know, I don't mind org charts. You know, I don't know if anyone like that. I like systematic. But love isn't systematic. So that's what he's taking me. This is the journey that he's taking me on. And I'm over 50. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But I'm more over 50 than you think. <laughs> Unless you have revelation of how old I am. I'll just say I'm not. Okay, yeah, don't say that. All right, we're going to wrap this up. I just hope a little bit of my journey is helping you and yours. This, this idea of sonship, even what we've talked about in the last, 50, I don't know, 30 minutes, even if we had just that short list, I don't know, how much better would marriages be? How much better would our families be? It's hard to give away what I don't have. Now, I can give away knowledge but that's not going to take me too far in my relationship with my wife. I mean, she, she's going to have to experience my heart in order for that marriage relationship to be, go beyond just a being faithful to each other to like a real happy marriage. 
It's better to live in a place of fullness than faithfulness. Fullness includes faithfulness. Oh, that's a different day. Speak on marriage. I think I wrote that. I think I wrote that last week. Uh, relationships. So this next season is going to be all really super practical, but I, we had to dig the foundation. If we don't dig the foundation, then what we're going to build on is not going to say it's quicksand. It's just not going to be solid. And until we get this revelation of sonship and uh, sons and daughters, then the things that the principles that we have will look more like works, all this kind of stuff. We got to dig deep in this foundation. Everything else is built on it. Amen. Let's stand. I'm doing pretty good. You guys didn't even say amen to that. Well, next week, we're going to be having Leonard here. He's going to take us deep. I have no idea what he's preaching on, but it's going to be around this. It's going to be excellent. I'm serious. Make, make, just get here on the weekends. And then the following week, I might finish this list. I should finish this list, huh? I want you to encourage my heart right now. Finish this list. Okay, good. That, that's good. Perfect. Amen. All right. I don't know, take the, the hand of your person, and then we're going to have Aaron come up for just a moment, in, a, in just a moment. Take the hand of the person. I know this is, some people don't like that, because some people try and do the interlocking hands. That's how relationships are started. So you're actually s- sitting next to somebody, hoping that I would say, take the hand of the person next to you, and you're like, glory to God. I don't do it that often, though. So, you know, I don't know how, you know, anyway. Just pray for the person next to you. That I, this is really a simple prayer. Just take, just take the person on your left and just take them deeper, deeper, deeper in this whole area of being a son and a daughter. That's a simple prayer. Just ask the Lord to take them deeper. Just take them deeper into the revelation of who they are as sons and daughters. Just pray for them. Just, let's just... 30 seconds. Simple prayer. Take him deeper, Jesus. Take him deeper into this revelation. So that means someone is praying for you as you're praying for somebody. Take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper. 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 So, Father, part of this whole process is we have to know the Word to gain revelation so that we can experience your love. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take us deeper into the revelation of the Father heart of God based on the Word of God as our foundation. And you are the living Word, but may the Word of God lead us into an encounter with our Father. Let the Word of God take us into that place of encounter. And Lord, we have, we have broken lives. We've made mistakes. We've, we've, we've said things we wish we never would have said, or we did things we wish we never would have done. And, you know, but we want to break all that regret off of 
you today. And we just want you to know that your father's arms are still open. And you just, just run into his arms through the blood of Jesus. And it's just asking for forgiveness and repenting. And he's not distant. He's calling you. So, Father, I pray this week there would be times of sweet communion, whether it's just in the car, turning their, turning their car into a worship service, or they're just worshiping the Lord, whether it's with instruments or not instruments, just taking a few moments while they're doing the dishes and they're just thinking and reflecting on your love. When they're just about, may, let the Holy Spirit just impress upon them, all of us, the value of your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, we're going to have Pastor Aaron come on up and just close us real quick. All right. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Can you guys stay standing, actually? Stay standing. Um, we're going to make this quick. While I'm talking, I would love it if the prayer ministry team could come up while I'm talking so that we're all ready. Um, while PG was speaking, I really felt like the Lord was saying that not all of us in the room are getting it, even though we've heard it with our brains over and over again. It needs to reach your heart, okay? So I want to actually do a declaration together. Can you guys just repeat after me? Say, I am a son and daughter of the Lord. Guys, I want to challenge you to declare these things over yourself because we can do all we can in our brains and still try to, still try to strive, okay? I just got a picture of like, Someone, it's like you're hearing abide, you're hearing abide in the vine, but you're still acting like the farmer, right? You might put on a name tag that says vine <laughs> or branch, you know, but you're not abiding, you're still trying to work for it, okay? So it's time to let that enter your heart. Say, I am a son and daughter of the Lord, okay? I also felt like um, uh, I just want to invite you real quick, if if you need a touch from the Lord, the ministry team is up here. Pastor Greg hit on, like, if you're, if you're going after something to mask the pain that's not the comfort of God, it's time to give that back to Jesus. We call this the altar because it's where we can sacrifice what we, we have to him, okay? So some of you need a touch from the Lord. You need healing. I want to challenge you, come up here, okay? If you have something, you have an addiction you're going through, give that to Jesus. He does not want you to live in bondage, Okay? Um, some of you, this is going to be a challenge for some of you because you've just accepted it as part of your personality. But if you're dealing with negative thoughts and living in pessimism, that's not what the Father has for you either. Okay? When you're living in sonship, you are seeing things through the lens of the Father. Okay? So I want to challenge you. Come up here. Spend all the time you need with Jesus. Our prayer ministry team is going to be up here for 20 minutes. Okay? And also, on your way out, we have our e-group meet and greet, okay? If you're not connected to community here, I want to challenge you to make that happen today, okay? You can be going to church every Sunday of the year. You can go to church three times a week for the rest of your life, but if you're not in a Christian community, then you're missing something that God has for you, okay? So I want to challenge you to do that, okay? So let's just pray together. Everyone say, Jesus. Dear Jesus, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you have for us. Let our hearts connect with what Pastor Greg just said. 
Let us enter into an encounter with you, God, and let it show tomorrow morning. Let it show this entire week, God, that we are your sons, we are your daughters, and that we, God, just ignite a new fire in us and a new passion in us right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe. Thank you for listening.